0: It's awesome. Uh, It's so good. Hey, welcome to ACF Church. If you're new, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here and we're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, We are in a series, our second week of uh, of talks uh, called Outsiders. And so uh, before we get too far though, can we welcome everybody who's with us online? Let's thank them for being with us as well. Um, if you don't know this, we have sort of an online community that is watching uh, right now and with us here on Facebook Live. And so uh, if you're a Facebooker, we would love if you got on there and, and shared that with your friends. Just a great way to uh, sort of experience church, um, maybe from the safety and security of your home. Uh, you know, for those who go to church every week, this isn't strange, this isn't weird. But uh, for many people, uh, this is a, it's a scary place to be going into a church. Uh, and so this can be a first step for a lot of your friends. So definitely use your social media for the kingdom of God. Uh, It's a great chance to do that. And so um, we are, like I said, second week of a series called Outsiders. We're talking about um, how God is a God that's always seeking after and reaching the the farthest of the far. He's seeking the outsiders to bring them into the family. And, And so because that is who God is, that's who we are as his people. And so it's our heart that if you feel like you're on the outside... If you feel like you don't fit in, or maybe this isn't uh, the place for you, that today at some point, maybe during the service, that you would get a sense that this is the place that you can be yourself, a place that you can be loved uh, no matter where you've come from, and uh, that this is a family uh, that you can really call home. And so that's our heart, and that's our goal through this series. And kind of the, the video is, it's a toaster, right? The idea is like, if you could feel empathy for a toaster, how much more empathy should you feel for another human being who finds themselves on the outside? And so that's the heart of this series, and, and today um, we're going to talk about love a little bit. Talk about love. Uh, one of the things that I know about everybody in this room is that uh, you all want love. We all, it's, it's a human need to feel love and to be loved. Um, I know for me, just growing up in, in a lot of different places it was it was hard uh, being the outsider, being somebody that didn 't fit in and so um, i 'd move to a new location. My dad was in the Air Force uh, for thirty years and, and every time i 'd get to a new place I would, I would try to seek out relationships I wanted to to desperately to feel like I was part of a community, to feel like you know, I was loved, and so every time you move, you kind of have to start over with that building new. Relationships and, and so there's just something in us. We, we need love, we're meant to be loved. And I, I don't know if you can think of a time in your life where you felt really loved, where you felt like, okay, I, I actually have achieved this, I've acquired it. Um, I remember when I was, uh, we moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming. My dad was stationed there at F.E. Warren Air Force Base. Um, I didn't know anybody, and so uh, you know, started the school year. And I played the guitar at that point, and um, m- music was sort of my my inroad. It was my way to get to know people. Um, it was what I was known for in in, in my previous uh, location, and so. Uh, there's an opportunity at one of the pep rallies to play the Star Spangled Banner in front of all my peers and so somebody heard that I played the the guitar and they asked me if I did it and so if I could do it and so I worked for weeks on this like Jimi Hendrix style Star Spangled Banner and so I'm, I'm out there in the gymnasium in front of hundreds of my classmates I've got my little PV electric guitar amp my Epiphone Les Paul and I nailed it I just like rocked the house and so I mean it was like the full slow clap from all my friends and cheering and excitement and I remember I walked out of the gym and I'm like okay you know I am I'm I'm finally accepted I'm finally like this is going to be the beginning of you know a new era where you know everybody loves Brian and I showed up at school the next day and nothing changed right nothing changed at all nobody cared it was that was yesterday today's today and uh, nobody knows you And, and I realized in my head that I'd kind of settled for, um, I'd settled for notoriety, I'd settled for, you know, fame, if you'd like to call it that, instead of actually seeking out and being part of a true, real, loving relationship with people. And, and for me in that age, it was just it was just enough to be known about. Um, maybe you did things growing up where you'd dress in a certain way just to get noticed, just so the people would recognize that you're there. And maybe they did and they noticed you and then over time you realize that's just not meeting the need. The need is to be loved. The need is for somebody to know you for the good and for the bad and to accept you. That's what we need. And so what you need to know today is that um, God himself, what we know about God is God is love. He is love. He doesn't just love. He himself is love in his nature. He can't help himself. He is love. And so wherever you come from today, you need to know that there is a loving God who loves you. You need to know that and is seeking to bring you from the outside, if you find yourself in the outside today, into the family. So maybe you've sought out love. Have you ever been in a situation where um, love was not reciprocated? Have you been there? Like this was, I remember growing up and, and you know, I'd, I'd have a crush on a girl and I'd start to, you know, try to try to build a relationship there. I start to give my heart to her, loan her my like eraser, you know, and then, you know, I'm building a relationship, I think, and then I realize she likes the guy that sits next to me, right? And there's this hard thing that you deal with where love isn't really reciprocated. Uh, Maybe you got older and you got married, and uh, now you're in this relationship with another human being, and, and you see each other every day, but they're there is no love in the relationship, maybe it 's between you and your kids, and you just man, you love your kids with all your heart and they want nothing to do with you right because they 're sixteen and that 's what 16 year olds do sometimes they want nothing to do with their parents, and so you 're in this 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 time maybe where you feel like love isn't isn 't a two way street and that 's really hard for us. What you need to know is that God himself is love the, the overall story of the world is love because God created. The world we were created to to love and to be loved in fact when jesus was asked to boil down all the law and and the prophets into one statement he said love god and love your neighbor as yourself it's just what we were created to do and what's so beautiful about this is that you know god himself he demands love as well he demands love but god will never demand something that he won't demonstrate And the story of us is this, is that God himself, because of his deep love for the world, sends his son to die for the sins of humanity, to demonstrate that God doesn't sit at a distance and wait for you to come to him. He goes to you to do anything that he can to reach the farthest outsider, to bring them into the family of God. And so that's kind of the story today. We're going to get into uh, a story today that's a pretty scandalous um, story. And so I don't know if you've ever read the book of Hosea. Um, but if you know the story of Hosea, you know it's pretty intense. And I, it's 11, I think, 11, chap, 14 chapters? Anyway, it's, it's a short book. And I encourage you, go home and just read this entire book. It'll take you just, you know, a, a little while to get through the whole thing. And it is intense. It's, uh, the book of Hosea is called one of the Minor Prophets. Uh, not minor because it's not important, but just minor because it's shorter than the major prophets. That's all it means. And, and most of the Minor Prophets are really about God's judgment on Israel. At this point, Israel has rebelled against God, run away from God, and given themselves up to other idols and other things that they are worshiping. And so because of that, this is God uh, pronouncing his judgment through his prophets on his people. And so this is a hard truth that we're going to get at today. In fact, um, for some of you, you're going to be pretty uncomfortable, even with the language that's used in this book, because the truth of our sinfulness is it's pretty ugly, it's pretty ugly, and in fact, um, it's so ugly, most of us don't want to acknowledge it or look it in the eye. But what we're going to do today, and I hope that you'll stick with me, if you're unchurched or, or a dechurched person, that you'll stick with me, because there is a deep truth that will give you so much joy um, to come at the end of this. But we've got to get through the hard stuff first. So could I just pray for us, and we'll get into this story. Jesus, thank you so much that you speak to us today. Uh, God, thanks for ACF Church, that this is our family, where we can come and and wrestle with our doubts and our faith together. Um, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would make yourself known to us. I pray for the person here today that just feels like they're on the outside, like they don't fit in here, or um, you know don't feel like part of this family, that today could be a day that at some point during the, this gathering, God, they would feel embraced by you, and, and even by your people. Um, God, that we could be those who accept each other for where, where we are, but move forward together um, closer to you. And that's our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, So you can open up to the book of Hosea. If you have a Bible, you can actually grab one out of the seat in front of you. Um, there's a, there should be a, a black Bible there. And if you don't have a Bible, you can definitely take that Bible home with you. Um, also, you can download the ACF Church app and follow along with us there as well. So this book, this is about 750 years before Jesus. We have the prophet Hosea. Now, a prophet's job was simply to speak for God to his people. Um, and, and as you read through the prophets What you realize is that's a really hard job Because prophets sometimes have to say things That makes, make people really angry um, I, I, just, I wouldn't call myself a prophet But I get it I get that sometimes I'm up here and I say things And you, it might rub you the wrong way It might offend you You might never want to come back to church I don't know But I, I just know that when, when the truth of God is spoken It will offend our hearts You can expect that And so for Hosea, he is speaking the word of God to a rebellious people. And and so that was his call, but Hosea's call was special. What what God was going to call Hosea to do was not to simply speak the truth, but to actually demonstrate the truth of the situation that, that Israel and God were in at this point. Because Israel had rebelled against God, walked away from God, found themselves in this place where they felt like they could support themselves, take care of themselves. And so because of that, um, it's a broken relationship, and God wants to restore this. And as you read the, the book of Hosea, God sounds pretty ticked. Um, in fact, it's one of the things that people struggle most with about God is that he seems angry sometimes. You're gonna, if you read the, the whole story, you're going to be like, man, God is so angry. How can God be love and, and yet be so angry? Um, all you have to do is talk to a parent in the room, and they will explain how you can be so loving And so angry, in fact, your love sometimes drives you to anger, does it not? Sometimes you love somebody so much that you're just like, why are you screwing this up? You're destroying your life, you're destroying somebody else's life, you're causing damage. And and, and so you may see that, and it may create anger. Now, God's anger is not like our anger. I mean, at certain times, you may think God's just kind of flying off the handle, you know? Like storming through the house, kicking things, right? Flooding the earth, and, and you're like, man, God's lost it. But really, everything that God does comes from his righteous justice and his deep intrinsic love for humanity, all with a desire to restore what is broken. And so you just, just you need to see that as a baseline. So then Hosea hits the scene and God's like, I got a job for you, Hosea. You're going to be a representation of our broken relationship to the world. <laughs> I'm sure Hosea is like, awesome, That's great. That sounds like a really fun job description, and so let's just get right into what Hosea's assignment is right here right here, Hosea chapter one, verse two. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, "Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord." Okay, so for some of you are already offended, right you're just like that's not a word I've heard in church before um, whoredom what is he saying here in other translations the word prostitute is used Um, another word could be promiscuous or adulterous or unfaithful basically your job Hosea is to find a wife and he's like okay cool I was planning on that yeah that's fine I want you to find one that's gonna sleep around on you so go have fun with that so that's just I want you to put yourself in Hosea's shoes and how uncomfortable this would be I mean Most people spend their lives thinking of who they're going to marry, who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. Uh, Maybe you made a list at some point of all of the character qualities of the person that you were going to get married to, right? And probably nowhere on there was unfaithful, promiscuous, right? I mean, at no point does anybody seem to to, to want that for their future, yet this is God's call for Hosea. See, adultery, being promiscuous, what it is, it's a betrayal of love. It's to be in a loving relationship and to betray the love by seeking love from somewhere else. To give your heart to other people. And, and that's exactly where, uh, where this, this group of people, where they have found themselves in this place of history. One thing to acknowledge about this calling is that this is a divine calling from God. Like, God himself has spoken to Hosea to, to go and do this. And what you need to know to, today is whatever God's calling you to do, it's a divine calling. I'm sure Hosea had no idea that ACF Church in 2017 would be sitting here today talking about his story. But God chose to use this man to make an impact on the world, and he's still making an impact today. You may not have any idea what God's going to do through what he's calling you to do. It may be difficult. It may not make any sense. But God has a purpose for his calling in your life. So just understand this is a divine calling that he has walked Hosea into. Verse 3. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. So he went and took Gomer, his new wife. I don't know what name was at the top of your baby names list when maybe you had a kid, but Gomer? Like, Gomer, it's not enough that he asked him to go find this promiscuous woman. She's going to be named Gomer, right? Um, if you're named Gomer, it's, it's fine. But anyway, so this, woman's, this woman... This woman is named Gomer, and and so they get together. They start their life together, and she starts having children. So I just want to want to recap the story, and I want you to know right from the beginning who's who in this story. First of all, Hosea, as we continue on in the story, Hosea is going to be the physical representation of Christ to the world. That's who Hosea is. Gomer, guess who? Guess who Gomer is? Us. Gomer's us. Gomer is the church. Gomer is Israel at this point, and Gomer is us today. So that's just, that's who is going to be in this story. So then Gomer has this habit of pursuing these these, these unhealthy relationships and keep, keeps going back to them even after they are married. So they get married, and, and obviously Hosea knows this is coming, knows that this is the kind of woman he chose to marry, and, and then they start having kids together. And so the first kid is a, is a little boy, and his name is Jezreel. Now, you might be like, well, Jezreel, that's kind of a cool name. I don't know. But Jezreel is actually a terrible name. It's a terrible name, because Jezreel is a location of a place where thousands of people were massacred by God's people in rebellion to God. And so it's kind of this, like, black mark on the history of Israel. And so God says, I want you to name your son Jezreel to represent the rebellion of my people. That's That's a fun way to start, right? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. This would be awkward even in public. People are like, who's your little boy? This is Jezreel. People would be like, what? I mean, it would be like if you're, if you're German and you like named your son Auschwitz after a concentration camp. People would be like, what? This is, this is not good. There are better names, better options, right? So the first son is named Jezreel. Then they continue on and they have a daughter. Now, uh, scholars would say that this daughter probably actually wasn't even Hosea's daughter. This was, a, this was probably a daughter from another relationship, from another man that Hosea then takes care of as his own daughter. When they have this daughter, her name is Loruhuma. Loruhuma. Another kind of na- kind of cool sounding name, but the name literally means no mercy, no compassion. So we've got this boy Jezreel who represents rebellion. We've got Loruhuma who represents no mercy, no compassion. Literally, God himself taking his hand of blessing away from his people and saying, listen, you are in a bad place. You are rebelling against me and my, your creator. And so, kid number two named lo And then they have a third. I'm like, after the second, I'm like, let's just stop at this point, right? Let's just quit while we're ahead. They have a third kid. It's, a, it's another son. and His name is Lo-Ami. Lo-Ami. And Lo-Ami means not my people. So you've got rebellion, no mercy, and not my people. These are his children. Uh, So pretty rough way to start a family. Um, Every time, I don't know how often if you're a parent, you say your children's name, probably all day long, but every time you say your child's name, you're thinking no mercy, no compassion, and rebellion against God. All day long, every day. And this is who his kids represent to the community around them. This is all to represent how broken God's people were at that point. So so we just have to look at this from the outside and first say this is pretty depressing and and acknowledge this is a pretty rough place to be. This is a pretty harsh calling on Hosea's life, but God has a purpose for it. God's going to use this. And this is bad news uh, for Israel, obviously, that God is this frustrated, this angry with their rebellion but one thing you need to know is that to appreciate the good news you need to look at the bad news like we got t- it's kind of like if you got a you got a diagnosis from a doctor he's like do you want the good news or the bad news what do you always want first the bad news right you want the bad news first so that you can kind of get that out of the way the bad news is we are a rebellious people the bad news is we give our hearts to other things the bad news is we come to church on sunday and then live as if, as if there's no god on monday that's the bad news so can we just acknowledge that in our hearts we're proud? In our hearts we, we think that maybe going to church is going to please God or, you know, putting a couple bucks in the plate is going to please God. But really, in many ways, there are, there's so much of our lives that is, has yet to be brought underneath the authority of God. Can we just acknowledge that? And you're like, no, we're not going to. And I get that that's awkward. I just, we're rebellious. Acknowledge it. I mean, we even see it in church. Like every week, Mason's up here like, come on, let's clap. And you're like was it my idea? I'll clap when it's my idea. You know, when I, when I feel, but you told me to, so I'm not going to clap, right? I'm not going to clap in church, right? We, we, at one point, you guys see, we got standing room only here at church right now. At one point, we were trying to squeeze everybody in, so we were roping off certain sections to try to get people to sit forward, and they were filling them back in. Guess where everybody wanted to sit? In the roped off section. They're like, you don't want me to sit here? The rope, the rope, right? You can't tell me what to do. I get it. Like, I, there is still like a five-year-old in all of us, right? That just when you are told something that you can do something or that you should do something else, we rebel, right? We push back. We, are, we, we have rebellion in our hearts. It's just It really, really runs deep. And, and I, I, think, I think we have to acknowledge this in a, in a really profound way for us to actually move forward. And this is one of the things that makes people, I think, uncomfortable at church or, or with Christianity is they just don't want to acknowledge their depravity. Like, we don't, we don't want to make our sin that bad. In fact, there was a recent survey done amongst Christians, and it showed that the majority of Christians, when you ask them about humanity, would say that humanity, at its core, is good. Even Christian people who read the Bible, go to church every week, would say that humanity, apart from God, at its core, is good. I want to tell you today that that's not the story of the Bible. That humanity, at its core, is not good. It's not good. We, nat- we don't naturally trend towards loving people, serving people, giving to people, caring for people, respecting people. We trend towards disrespect, towards loving ourselves, towards taking care of ourselves. Am I right? You guys are looking at me really funny, like nobody's nodding. Like, we trend towards the wrong, the wrong things, and that's just the reality of it. So apart from God, we are not good. And I would say this, if you're taking notes today, to believe in Jesus, you have to be unbelievably honest with yourself. Some people would say that Christians are disconnected from reality, that you're not seeing things for what they are. No, I would say to be a Christian, you have to be more honest than anybody. You have to be willing to look at the junk in your life and go, man, I, I really do have some, some issues. I really do have some problems. And and you have to be honest about your journey trying to fix things and trying to get better and how that works for a short period of time. But on our own, we just can't seem to get traction in most areas of our lives. We just have to be honest with that, that we're deceived in many ways. In fact, 1 Timothy 4, 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I will tell you the deceitful spirit of today is a spirit that would say, "No, you're a good person. No, you're pretty good. Uh, God sort of assists you through Jesus to get to heaven, but you're kind of halfway there on on your own." I mean, look, you you help people out now and then. You give a little money to the food bank, you know. You you try to be generous around Christmas time. Look, you're a decent person. That's not the story. Even in our good deeds, they're 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 twisted by our our, our desires for ourselves, and so. I just want us to, to know that and acknowledge that as we start off today. Now, I want you to think about Hosea. Now, he's got three kids. He's got a wife, and he's a prophet. One thing that you could miss in this is that Hosea, because he's a prophet, he's supposed to be sort of an upstanding guy in their society, in their, in, in their, in their community. I mean, you, you just imagine if it was me. If you're like, hey, who's Pastor Brian's wife? <laughs> What's she do for a living? Right? I mean, to find out that that this man's wife was selling herself to go make a few bucks on the side. You know, like, hey, what's going on in their relationship? Oh, she's there at the beginning of the night at their house, and I see her leave at about, you know, midnight every single night, and she comes home with some other guy. Like, I mean, this is, this is for Hosea a, a really difficult place to be. Can you imagine introducing his wife to you? Maybe you're like, you know, hey, who's your wife? And he's like, oh, she's right there. And you're like, where? Oh, she's right there. And you're like, behind the prostitute? No, my wife is the prostitute. So this was a, this was a prophet of God who was married to a prostitute. And once again, I know that maybe, maybe you know people who have found themselves in this industry. And this is in no way having a lack of compassion for people who have found themselves. In fact, our last series was all about this, struggling with our sexuality. Clearly, this is a struggle for this woman. But God is using this woman as a representation of the unfaithfulness of his church. And so we need to be honest about this. So there they are going through life together. um, Kind of an awkward relationship. She's leaving every night. He doesn't know who she's with. And then one day he wakes up and realizes that she's gone. And he starts asking around and and nobody's seen her. And and this is what God says. Chapter 3, verse 1. And the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. So he's literally saying, go love this other woman. Once again, I'm I'm acknowledging to you, this is how I love the church. Even as she is unfaithful, even as she continues to go after other gods, I will continue to pursue and love the church. He says, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So... (laughs) lost in translation there. Um, Israel at this point is doing really well. At this point in history, their economy is strong. Uh, money's flowing th- in and out. People are genuinely happy. Politically, they're doing really well. Israel is in one of the best places it's ever been as a culture, as a, as a community, as a people. And so we, we look at that, I look at that and I've just got to acknowledge that, you know, we do pretty well here in the U.S. Although we, in Alaska, we're like, well, the economy's struggling. We don't realize that, you know, most of the world lives on less than two bucks a day. You know, we, we, we miss out on all the blessings that we have, even when things are, are not going well. And so what had happened to Israel is they had become pretty self-sufficient. And I, I talked to you guys about this a lot, that this is pretty common. People come to church when things are falling apart, but... I've almost never heard somebody say, my family's good, my life is good, I'm healthy, I'm doing well, I've got a great job, oh, I'm going to go to church today, right? Oh, I need God today. It's typically when things are falling apart that we turn to God. I mean, think about when you pray. Are you deeply in prayer when life's going well? Middle of the summer, you're fishing, you're camping, right? Having a blast in Alaska. What is your communication with God like at that point compared to like February, right? Where you just want to like rip everybody's head off. Because it's dark and it's cold and you're stuck in the house with these other, this roommate or these, you know, this family and they're all driving you crazy. I mean, all of a sudden you turn into a praying man or a praying woman. That's kind of how we, how we work. And you can write this down if you want. Success breeds pride, but pride keeps us from God. Success breeds pride, but pride keeps us from God. If you look at the sex, success in your life, what you're going to see is a place that will possibly be used to draw you away from God. To build you into a a person who thinks that they are self-sustaining, self-sufficient. This is why, like we talked last week, God has given us rhythms in our life, like just gathering as a church, giving, serving, that continue to show us that we are not self-made men or women. But everything that we have comes from God. Israel at this point has forgotten that. They've forgotten that God is their sustainer. Forgotten that God is is a jealous God. In fact, in, in, in Exodus 20, we see God call himself. He's a jealous God. Not jealousy like ours where we're just emotional and and insecure. God's jealousy is the unwillingness to share his place of authority with anything else or anyone else. You you cannot worship God and. You cannot make God the Lord of your life and. And he will not share that place of authority. And and yet, at this point for Israel, that's exactly what people think he's doing. Okay, so back to Hosea. He wakes up his wife's gone. God says, go find her. And he's like, what? Go find her. You might think, man, this is a great opportunity to get out of this, Hosea. I mean, just, in fact, if you were Hosea's friend, you might say, Hosea, you've gone far enough. I mean, you married her, you named your kids, these these crazy names that God gave you. Just, Hosea, you've done enough. Just stop. But Hosea is a faithful man, and God has spoken to him and said, no, you will search for this woman, and you will go find her. So he does. He goes downtown, he goes to the wrong side of town. He he's going into the brothels. Can you imagine the conversations? "Hey bro, you see my wife?" Guys like, "Yep. Sorry, yesterday." Okay? Well, if you see her then, again, can you can you tell her that I'm looking for? Her? Yeah. Cool. I mean, imagine the awkward conversations that he's having as he's as he's looking for Gomer. So then he finds her. And he finds her at an auction. And she's not selling stuff, she is being sold. He walks into this room, imagine there's, you know, people all around, probably mostly men. The money's flowing and there's women up at the, at, at the auction block. And there is his wife, Gomer. She's probably got chains on her arms and on her feet. Um, she's probably stripped naked. This is customary for the way they would have sold somebody into the sex slave industry, is somebody would be up there naked so that you could see what you're buying. Just imagine the, the, the fear and the tears in her, in her eyes as she's up there being sold. And Gomer uh, is on, up there, and Hosea walks in, and he sees his wife. This is his wife, and then the bidding begins. People are throwing out how much they're willing to pay for his wife. And, and so he's got a decision to make. What do I do? Do I walk out? And he decides that he's going to buy his wife back. He is going to be the highest bidder. So he starts bidding on his wife, and he wins his wife. They take her down off the auction block. And just imagine this 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 interchange between him and his wife. Imagine the shame that she's feeling in this moment as they look themselves, look eye to eye with each other. And it says this, it says that in verse 2, it says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethage of barley. So here's what's interesting is that as I was reading this week, um, I realized that at this point, he's actually basically gone broke to buy his wife back because the going rate for somebody in this interest to, to buy a human being in the sex slave industry was like 30 pieces of silver. So he buys her for 15 pieces of silver. He ran out of money, and he had to throw some barley into the deal to try to finish so that he could pay off whoever owned her, whoever she owed this debt to, so that he could buy her back. Now, this is crazy. This man has been really abused by his wife. She's been unfaithful to him, and he goes broke, gives everything that he has financially to make sure that he can take care of her. So he buys her. This really, you guys, is the story of us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Once again, we see this man he is the representation of Christ to the world and that Gomer is you and me. I mean, many of you would see her up there and be like, you know what? She did that to herself. She made those choices on her own. Let her deal with it. Instead, he says, nope. Nope, I will represent Christ to the world. I will buy her back, even out of her own mistakes. I mean, this is an unfathomable love. I mean, this is, this is love in ways that many of us have never, ever even seen. Verse three. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be with you. So here's this man in this interchange with his wife. He buys back the woman who is already his, gives his life saving to pay for her. And then he calls her into a different life. See, this is really important. Whenever God saves us out of something, he also calls us to something different. So he doesn't leave her. He doesn't say, hey, you can go back and do what you want. Sure, sleep around tonight. Do whatever you want. You can leave if you want to. No, he says, listen, you need to see my grace and see how huge it is and honor what I've done for you by changing your life. You need to live differently at this point. Notice he didn't make her earn it. He didn't say, you need to get a job and pay me back, right? Because she could never pay him back. He didn't say that. He just said, listen, I want you to live differently. The same is true with you and me. We can never earn what we have in Christ. We can never pay God back. We, we shouldn't even try to. But what we should do is honor the grace of Jesus by living differently, by choosing holiness, by making him the priority in our lives. And that's what he's calling her. He's like, listen, don't sleep around. Don't do this anymore. Choose to be faithful to me. You can make a decision today to change your life and to make it different for the rest of your life. Make this choice. But this was, is this was profound. Then he says this, he says, so will I also be to you. He renews his vows to his wife. Can you imagine being her in this moment? You probably pro- kind of needed to hear that. You're wondering, is, is he going to put up with it? How, how far would he be willing to go? I mean, maybe, he's gonna, maybe this is going to get worse for me. I don't know what's going to happen. And he says, you know what? I'm going to renew my vows. I will be faithful to you. Even though you're not going to be faithful to me. And as we continue on, we read that she's not. She doesn't stay faithful. She continues to walk back to abusive lovers and to these other situations that are tearing their relationship apart. But he continues to be faithful to his wife. And then in this moment, the Holy Spirit speaks through this prophet. And here's his prophecy. He says this, For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the later days. So David, their king in this, in this passage is a representation of Jesus. This is a prophecy of the kingdom of God, which would come. This idea that there will be a day that the world sees love like they've never seen before. And they understand what love truly is and understand how deeply God loves us. There will be a day that, that, that this is also very clear to the world. So this is his prophecy about Israel, that one day this will all be made right. Everything will be clarified for us. We'll finally understand love. So remember, who are you in the story? Not Hosea. Who am I in the story? Not Hosea. Whenever we read through these stories in scripture, we want to identify with the good person. When we see the shepherd seeking after the lost sheep, we wanna be the shepherd, not the lost sheep. we see the prodigal son and the father receiving the son, we wanna be the father not the son, right? Instead, when we read these stories, we are the lost sheep. We are the wayward child. We are the sinful humanity that Jesus came and gave his life for. So what should you pull away from this story? Uh, one, of the, one of the tendencies may be to say something like this, well, if there's hope for this prostitute, then there's hope for me. And I would say that saying that minimizes your and my sins. I would say a better way of saying that would be, if there's hope for you and me, then there's hope for this prostitute. Let's acknowledge how deeply our sin goes and how depraved we truly are and how much we do not deserve the grace of God. We see the same way of life in in, in Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus always gravitated towards the outsiders, always gravitated towards those who had made poor choices and destroyed their lives It says this As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when they heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. He's going to quote Hosea right here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So he's literally quoting the book of Hosea, this idea of mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, I don't want religious duty. I don't care if you went to church last Sunday. I don't care if you put a couple dollars in the plate. I don't care if you gave a couple dollars to Beans Cafe. Those are good things but I desire a relationship with you where these things are overflows of who we are together. I desire faithfulness. I desire to be your one true God. That's what God desires from us. See, that's God's love for us. Just as Hosea bought this woman off the auction block, paid a debt that she couldn't pay, Jesus himself is the embodiment of God's love for us all the way to death. I mean, there is no greater love than one that would give up his life for a friend, right? So there's no greater love than than for Jesus himself to give up his own life for you and for me. You see, love goes all the way. Love goes all the way. How far will you go for love? How far will you go to show the love that you've been given? Because I'll tell you this, those who are so loved by God, so love the world. In fact, there's a verse about this. You, bought, you all probably know it. You memorized it when you were a kid. I don't think I've ever preached it before. So this is a great chance to say it. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now that's a special kind of love, so love, isn't it? I don't know if you so love anybody or if anybody so loved you, but that's a special kind of love. I think of as as I was a kid, my my parents so loved me that they put my terrible drawings on the refrigerator door. They so loved me that they went to all my soccer games, and I I, I didn't know how to play, and it was just chaos, and you know, it it wasn't entertaining. They just so loved me, you know. Maybe you so love your children that you're going to put up with difficult things that they say to you. You so love your roommate that you're going to do the dishes tonight. I don't. When you so love somebody, you 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 stop keeping track. You stop counting the cost. When you so love you go all the way because you so love them i think we throw the word around a lot love and can we acknowledge that love is pretty convoluted in our world today it's pretty convoluted so we need to see something greater from love and jesus shows us exactly what love is and what this love does is it compels us to love others it compels us to go into the world to seek the outsider the person who's been separated and and maybe it's by their own decisions and maybe it's by their own choices and they've done it to themselves, but they need grace and they need forgiveness. Those who are so loved go and so love the world with the same love that we've been given. Let's pray together. Father, could we be aware today of how deeply we need your grace? God, I just want to acknowledge that um, in many ways we feel like we're good people. Um, we feel like we can kind of help you with our salvation by doing good things. And because of that, God, your grace has been minimized. We today want to look our sin in the eye for what it is. Could we as a, as a community today acknowledge that there is nothing that we could do to save ourselves? Nothing we could do to right the wrongs Just as Gomer and Hosea we see in this relationship, really, there's nothing she could do to try to make up for the choices that she made. It was merely by Hosea's grace that she was saved out of this situation. And the same is true for us today. God, may may we be the kind of people who understand the boundless nature of your grace. God, that you would go all the way for us, to the point of death for us. So God, could we leave today knowing your love in a deeper way, feeling so loved by our Creator? And God, could that love, that deep love flow out of our lives into love for our community? Could we see people in our neighborhoods and our workplaces this week and desire that they would feel that kind of love, the same love that we feel from our Father? God, you are so good to us. I thank you so much that you never stop, stop searching. You never stop seeking. You always receive us with open arms. God, I want to pray for the person today that feels like they've just gone too far. They've done too much. They spent too much time away to be received back by you, their loving Father. God, I pray that they would sense your embrace. God, I pray they would receive your love today. I know today, God, you you love us, but not all of us love you. I pray that we could love you with the same love that you have for us. Show us how to do that. God, show us what that looks like in our relationships. Show us what it looks like in our service and our generosity. God, could we be the kind of people that love Alaska, love the world the way that you love us? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.